Hello to another episode of Determination, Deliberation, and Dragons. This is our final interview for Season 2. We are so happy to have Kaylin Applewhite back on the podcast, talking about how her book launch went and what she has learned from it. And Izzy and I both hope that you enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for sticking with us and listening to the podcast. We hope that you enjoyed all of the interviews as much as we did. We had so much fun putting them together for you. And I can't wait for you to hear this final interview for the season. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Welcome back, Kaylin. It's so great to have you here with us again, virtually. Mm-hmm. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. Well, if you'd like to reintroduce yourself for maybe new listeners and just to refresh everyone who you are, what you've written, all of that good stuff. I'm Kaylin Applewhite. I recently released the first book in the White Crow series, Awakening Anne. Um, it pre-released on Kickstarter and it will be coming to Amazon in paperback on August 1st, which will probably be before this releases. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, this will be in the fall at some point. <laughs> yep. Not entirely sure exactly when, but very soon. And just... To get us warmed up, what's the story you've recently read or maybe a movie that you've watched that you really enjoyed? Um, well, like the rest of the book community, I've recently read Fourth Wing. Um, I don't think I've ever had a book as hyped to me by, you know, bookstagram, book talk. Um, and in it does live up. Um, the romance to me was a little, I, I've seen this here before, but it, it's definitely... Um, probably my favorite dragon fiction I've ever read um that that played into everything really well well dragon fiction is definitely welcome here yeah yeah I also recently read the first two books they're the only ones that are released yet um in the beasts of the briar series by Elizabeth Helen they are fellow indie authors um that also just started releasing their series this year so I'm very excited for the third one of those to come out Oh, that's exciting. I haven't heard of that series, but I'll check it out for sure. It's one of the better uh, Beauty and the Beast retellings that I've come across. I have a weak spot for fairy tale retellings, so you've already got me. It was definitely worth the read. And now that we've already asked you how you would like to train your dragon, of course, you're still slowly gaining its trust and becoming best friends. Um, Almost um, about to ride it, so... Our next question for you is, what in you, are you and your dragon doing next? Are you going to keep it secret, or are you flying down the streets of New York City, trailing streamers and shooting fireworks into the sky? What would you and your dragon do? Um, well, I think dragons usually come into people's lives because of a greater quest and whatnot. Um, so I would obviously be training for that. But in lieu of that, of just seeing the world from a different perspective you know, never flying coach again. (laughs) That sounds great. 
I don't know if I'd want to go across an ocean on a dragon's back, but I could do it over in Hawaii. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, those were just the warm up round. So all right. Now into a little bit more um, bookish questions. (laughs) You've finished your book, which is amazing. How are you feeling? Uh, Could you tell us about the book launch, how that went? Um, Any details about that? Well, the uh, the pre-release on Kickstarter, which I, I've done many, many Kickstarters before this, um, one other book project, but mainly um, Dungeons and Dragons materials um, and role-playing associated projects. Um, Awakening and was by far our most successful pro- project up to date. We were selected by Kickstarter's Projects We Love, which is a way that the platform recognizes um, campaigns that it really you know, thinks uh, go above and beyond. Um, So that was a huge honor. And so that was just, it just blew me away. We almost raised $7,000, gave away more than 200 copies of the book, which we have just reached the tail end of fulfillment on. So almost everyone who backed has gotten their book in some form or another. Um, And so that's all been very exciting. Um, Now we're transitioning from the pre-release into putting it on Amazon in ebook, putting it on Amazon in paperback. Um, I've actually been working with my local Barnes and Noble and it is in stores there. Um, I have a author signing set up at the local Barnes and Noble and also my small neighborhood bookstore. It's called Fireside Books. It's absolutely adorable. And they've been so kind to host me there. Um, so many more events than I thought I would be. I, I remember saying at the beginning of this year, I'll do events next year. You know, this year, maybe I'll do one or two. You know, it was a slippery slope, you know. Um, and, and now it's like I, I've done two already and have four more scheduled over the next two months so once you get the ball rolling it just rolls yes that's great uh and I guess do you have any maybe interactions with people or book talks or moments in the writing process that you know spoke to you in any way that you remember um there has been amazing support from um people who had backed me previously, who were following along with the project, people I met at events, you know, people who discovered me through this Kickstarter project and since, you know, um, it's hard to pick ones that stand out um, in the moment, but there has been just amazing support from from a number of persons who have been following the project. And um, it really helps keep you going because it's not easy you know, knowing that somebody out there is enjoying what you're doing, I think is what keeps any artist going. Definitely. It's not a sprint. No. Very much a long, long marathon, double marathon. With hurdles. (laughs) Yes. And mud pits. Yes. Uh, Well, our next question is writing is a challenge, but, um, you know, getting your writing out there for the world to see is really a whole other challenge in itself. And what were some of those challenges for launching your book and publishing it? And like, how did you overcome them or what might you do differently next time or any well, there's, advice? There's a lot we're going to do differently. next <laughs> time. Um, I think that um, this was a process with an enormous learning curve that comes at you very quickly. Um, as a writer, you spend, or at least I spent years and years learning how to write, you know, well, Um, and crafting stories it's something you hone over a long period of time 
um, promotion, you get dropped in the deep end of the pool and begin flailing about until something works. Um, so there were there were many um, blunders in the past six months, which feels so much longer than six months, um, that we will not be repeating again things from just like logistical errors, you know, um, in packaging. When we're sending out the hard covers, we have to package those differently than the soft covers because they're more likely to be damaged in transit. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we offered an enamel pin because our backers on, in the Kickstarter pre-release really wanted a stretch goal. And, and there were so many of them and it was going so well, where we were like, Ooh, well, we've got to do something. And we decided a pin would be a really nice token and they came out great. <laughs> but if you include anything else in a book, when you're shipping it, you can't, um, get the media rate. So oh. that one pin basically doubled our shipping costs and ate any um we made pennies pennies on that kickstarter even you see that big almost seven thousand dollar number and you're like whoa no with printing costs and the shipping wow um but these are lessons we learned for the next time you know um it's just paying your tuition to the school of hard knocks you know Mm um and you just, I think the first time around, uh, when you're producing a book, you're going to put in more man hours because you're learning everything as you go. Next time, everything's going to be faster. You know, everything's mm-hmm. going to run a little more smoothly, knock on wood. But I, I have learned a massive amount over the last six months. What are some of those things that you've learned or maybe like you could synthesize it into advice for somebody else who might be embarking on the same thing um so I'm just going to do it in bullet points um so social media is a beast I've been wrestling with because it's a necessary evil um if I was just a person you know a random civilian I would have a personal private Instagram and literally nothing else um as an author I have a very public Instagram um a author's page on Facebook and also a Twitter um and so at first juggling all of those social media accounts was, it it just drained all of my mental energy. It was a constant stress. Um, I use a website called Buffer now that allows me to schedule posts out cross platform. um, And I once a week, Saturday mornings, sit down, plan out my whole week so that the only thing I have to do for the rest of the week is manage notifications. It is a huge mental load off my plate. I do not have to deal with that every single day. You know, that's so taxing. Um, And then from there, I reached the point where I always have a notification on social media. I've grown to this point. And so resisting the urge to check it compulsively, you know, especially when the Kickstarter was active, not checking that compulsively. Um, I think the lot, a lot of the mental energy that promotion took from me in the early days was unnecessary obsessing, you know, and so finding ways to get around that has been huge. Having a plan for fulfillment with the Kickstarter, we're not using a fulfillment service. Um, and so there were several, several things that we learned. I'm going to be extra packaging the hard covers this time around. I offered special packaging on all of the books 
And that's, that's something I do by hand. I wrap it in like package paper and then tie it with twine and I do a wax seal. And I did about 200 of those. Um, And I said, this is my limit. (laughs) I do expect our next Kickstarter to be bigger than the last one um, because people who've read the first book plus new people, you know, Um, and so premium packaging will be a $1 add-on I'm thinking so that that way for the people who it matters to easy just oh it's only a dollar more pop it on the cart and go um but that way I'm getting reimbursed for some of that time and materials and also there's a limit because I can limit those to just 200 people you know and once it's gone it's gone to save myself because I couldn't imagine doing any more <laughs> yeah that sounds like a lot to do by hand it is it is um it's quite the the setup um and then making and there's the quality control that goes into it making sure that you know every book gets signed and you know sealed the same way when you're a one-woman show is difficult Mm -hmm. and switching text just a little bit how do you think Mm -hmm. your writing or maybe your approach to writing has changed after this whole experience and maybe some challenges that you faced that you feel better equipped to handle now or that you like bad habits that you can leave behind. Yeah. With, with my writing, I I always say that uh, production is the Pandora's box, you know, Uh, once it's open, you you can't help. It's always kind of in the back of your head there. So, you know, I'm writing books and I'm like, but what's the title going to be? What kind of cover art am I going to do? You know, like, is this going to be bigger than some of my other books? When am I going to produce this? You know, like blah, 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 all the way in the back of your mind. I mean, I find myself, I'm like in the middle of writing and I'm like, oh, this quote is going to be a, such a good um, pull quote for my Instagram in three years when this book comes out. <laughs> you know, um, it, it's just this inescapable little bird in the back of your mind constantly. And so being able to tune that out write a first draft poorly acknowledge that it will get better later you know all of those things are a muscle that I'm still kind of developing um because I have written a book and edited it to completion to wow this looks like a real book you know to that place so writing first drafts now is a little more painful um because I write very very rough first drafts (laughs) oh the editing yeah, I, I do several, several layers of edits. Um, for In the past, editing to me used to just kind of be this, well, I'll read through it and fix it kind of, you know, amalgam. Uh, now I put it through uh, basically three layers where um, firstly, I'll do the story edit, which is um, I'm taking a rough draft and I'm looking at like a lot of word choice. I'm, I'm filling in a lot of the edges, um, sometimes whole chapters that I was just like, I'd like to have this happen here. You know, I, I write that whole chapter. Um, I'm adding in a lot of descriptors. Those usually don't come in until draft two. Um, and I'm also checking all the numbers, the dates. Um, if I say that there are two candles in a room, I make sure that there are two candles in the room the whole time. You know, um, the numbers can be really tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the story edit. And then I gave it to my betas. They read it. Um, and I'm uh, book two in the White Crow series is just about done with the betas and about to go through the beta edit where I look at all their notes. I fix all the problems that they found with it because, of course, there were problems. I'm the only person who've ever looked at it. Um, and then I let that rest for a couple more months. 
Um, and then I'll pick it up to do the line edit where um, at, at the moment I don't have an editor. So, and I know a lot of people are going to like cringe when I say this, I put it through Grammarly and Grammarly will find a lot of the stupid comma errors. And I also listen to the whole thing, you know, um, with just a text to speech. I don't read it even. I have the computer do it because if I read it even out loud, I'm going to say what I meant instead of what's really there and so that that has been invaluable and usually by that point it's looking much better that sounds like a pretty thorough process yeah it takes about a year that That is long a lot Uh, of that is resting time as well you know because that that fresh eyes you know gathering that is an invaluable resource. You can't rush editing. You need to step away from it. Um, when I edit things too close together, I'll find myself, I'll like, you know what I should really say here? And I'll type a sentence. I read two sentences later and I have typed that exact same sentence almost verbatim because my mind is still in the same pathway that it was when I first wrote it. You know, you need to get away from it, get some perspective so that you can see it from a different angle. That makes a lot of sense. But for this whole process, is there any like joyful moments or fun bits that you like look forward to every time you go through it? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I, I enjoy picking my work back up again. Um, I, and I've met writers who are both ways, but I am a pessimistic writer, which means I always think my writing is worse than it is. And then I pick it up and I'm like, well, that's not that bad. You know, and so that's that's always kind of a <laughs> moment um, picking it back up. Um, I I strongly believe um, as writers, there isn't kind of like a finish line. Like if you're an Olympic athlete getting to the Olympics, maybe even meddling in the Olympics, there you go. That's the finish line. With writers, th- there is no finish line. You know, I mean, even if your book went to the top of the New York Times bestseller list, everyone's going to look at you and say, yeah, but what about the next one? You know, so I think that um, we as writers tend to move the, the finish line on ourselves and like keep pushing it back. Well, well I'm not successful yet because, you know, whatever. So um, I do try to celebrate even small milestones, you know, whenever I find them, you know, like it's on Kickstarter. It finished Kickstarter. It's on Amazon. I just did my first author event, you know, like take pictures, recognize those milestones, eat a piece of cake, do something, you know, to, or else you're going to just burn out, you know, because your fans can clap for you, but you also have to clap for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. It makes me think of writing as more of a like, you know, not just like the whole enjoy the journey, not just the destination kind of thing, but like a friend you can get to know better through your whole life. And not just, you know, strangers or ships passing in the night. Yeah. Well, and it's a journey with multiple interesting things out the window that you should play that as you go, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. And um, have you heard, I mean, I'm sure you've heard from your beta readers, but have you heard from any um, current non-beta readers what they thought of your book or maybe fan interactions? What have people taken away from your story? that maybe something that surprised you? Um, well, so 
Awakening Anne was a bit of an identity crisis in the beginning, um, because when I began writing it in 2015, I didn't have a, well, this is the genre I'm modeling it after. I had an idea about, hey, what if I made a psychic medium who is the main character and didn't just show up for five minutes, you know? And so it's got vibes of historical fiction. It's got the vibes of period romance. It's got some horror. It's got some mystery. Um, And deciding how to frame that has been uh, a real struggle. In events, I typically tailor my pitch to who I'm looking at and what I see them like responding on their face to. Um, But uh, when it got into Barnes Noble, it was put in the horror section. And I think that was the definite right place for it. Um, way back when book one just got out of beta edits, um, last year or the year before one of those years, um, what really surprised me the most is people saying how scary it was. I was like, oh, I mean, like, I I thought there are some ghost scenes that are, you know, I I meant them to be frightening, but they were like, oh my gosh, I couldn't fall asleep that night. And like, I was like, wow. Okay. And so that has been one of the, uh, most universally praised aspects of the book is the horror is so on point and I'm like well there we go I never pictured myself as a horror writer but here we are you never end up where you think you're going to be in an author career ever (laughs) but anyway so uh, what people have been saying about it um so the point I was getting to let's go back a minute so Mm -hmm. it's a horror book I have learned this because the readers that enjoy it the most see it meet it as a horror book people who are used to reading chiclet romance or historical fiction are not understanding the it's it's thriller pacing in a historical setting typically historical fiction is much slower and takes a lot of time to call attention to the sconces on the wall and (laughs) whatnot and i did do a touch of um historical research you know to make it seem authentic and to immerse you um but i'm here for the story i'm a fast-paced reader um i think the biggest criticism of the book is that it goes so fast um i'm a fast i'm a fast writer um my my first drafts are way way too fast and i temper that as i can but we are who we are um and and some people are really enjoying it that it's it's a quick read that if it if it grips you you're along for the ride um, which which some people have really liked. I have, uh, I'm just starting to get my first ratings on Goodreads. And so developing a relationship with that that's healthy and non-antagonistic has been a journey these past couple of weeks. <laughs> no comment stalking here. Yeah, I have a uh, two read limit. I read it the first time for feels. And then um, I'll usually make myself wait at least two hours. And then I read it a second time for content. <laughs> and um, then I am never allowed to read it again. <laughs> this is a rule that keeps us safe. Um, I just wanted to to ask, because I think it's really interesting that you said that, you know, your readers, they, they've learned that your book is in the horror genre because of your readers. And I just think that's really interesting because you hear of these authors who kind of like push back against their readers. And so I guess I'm just curious what you think of your relationship to your readers as being especially now I mean maybe what that relationship was like as you were writing and what that is like now that it's been published um well they say write the book that you want to read 
you know, and so um, that's where I started. The reader was me when I was writing it. Um, this obviously is my first major publication, so I didn't have a existing fan base waiting in the wings um, as I do now. It's like whole like 200 people are just dying for the next one. Um, so my my relationship to my readers now, um, I I definitely listen to the feedback that I'm getting from them. You know, I, I think a common mistake among new writers is either to take all feedback you're given and be like, oh my gosh, now I have to change everything, you know, or to take all feedback that they're given and say, well, you just don't understand my book. You know, clearly this is stylistic that I never use commas or whatnot. Um, so reading reviews finding something constructive in it, you know, that you can take, that you can grow on. And then finding the stuff that just isn't, you know, sometimes they're, what they're saying isn't helpful. It's just not their cup of tea. You know, like some people think the pacing is too fast. Some people are enjoying the fast pacing, you know? Um, So you can't bend to everything, um, one of the major major criticisms is a specific character who in the first book is admittedly incredibly flawed and a character that I plan to have significant growth throughout the series, which it is a series of five books. Um, but they hate him in book one. So this tells me in book two, something that I'm significantly paying attention to is his character development throughout the book you know so this is something I will be very intentionally looking at in book two to make sure that it's happening in a satisfying way and I wouldn't have known to pay special attention to that without critique that is really interesting it is kind of all a matter of taste but also weird subjectivity objectivity tension between what do you like versus what does this huge random mass of imaginary people like that could maybe one day be your readers. And it takes confidence and experience to be able to not only filter through people's feedback, you know, but also to apply it to see um, if they're saying that um, they didn't understand this part of the book to understand what's at the root of that. Or if, you know, um, they did like something or they didn't, why? You know, it's, I think, something that comes with experience. Definitely. That is good to think on. Good food for thought. So if we get enough fans to ask you to put a dragon in it. (laughs) I am not going to alter the series to have a dragon in it. Though um, I do have future series which will have dragons in them. Okay. That's all I I wanted to hear. From the bottom of my heart. That is good. No, write write whatever you want. Uh, (laughs) Just for you. Just because you made me do it. I'm going to write it in the book. <laughs> I was bullied into this. We are partial to dragons here. No. If you couldn't tell. But as a just a little closing question, what advice might you have for aspiring writers, say, to recent college grads who started a creative writing podcast? Um. For early writers, I say, put production as far out of your mind as humanly possible. It is Pandora's box. Um, I 
I honestly think that in a vacuum was the right place for me to write for a long time. I didn't start uh, putting, like, I didn't join a writer's group and start asking people for critical feedback on my work outside my husband, you know, who, until I felt very confident in this is who I am. This is how I write. I know that I write well, if not perfectly, you know, Um, then I entered into those arenas then I started thinking about production, you know, um, my dad has currently, um, started taking up writing. Um, he's seen my success and he's like, Oh, I can do that. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, writing his first ever drafts. And I mean, and they're good for an early writer, but he's already starting to think, well, how would I produce this? And, you know, like asking me questions like that. I'm like, no, 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 no. Just let yourself be creative right now. You know, your, your journey's in its infancy, you know, once you've, you know, kind of honed your skills, then let yourself worry about that, you know, but don't put your cart in front of your horse. That's good to keep in mind. I mean, we've asked a lot. We've asked like everyone we've interviewed about advice. And I think I haven't heard about production and just kind of ignoring that and focusing on the writing so that's that's really helpful. It is uh, its own beast. I will say that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So if you want to tell people where they can find your book, that would be great. Great. Um, so you can currently, um, well, as of this recording, you can get the book through Kindle and Kindle Unlimited. If you're a subscriber, you can get it for free. As the airing of this, you can also buy it and read it on Amazon. So that's very exciting. Um, if you find me in person, I hopefully, by the time this airs, will still have some special edition hardcovers with me. I will be touring in Northeast Ohio um, until the end of September. And you can find me on Insta and Twitter at Apple White Writes. That's my handle. I also have a Facebook group, uh, Kaylin Applewhite Author where I keep everybody up to date with how my projects are going, the Kickstarter pre-releases, and my events. And also funny memes and pictures of my cats, because I can't help myself. You gotta have a mascot. Of course. Well, thank you so much for your time, Kaylin. I think that is all our questions we had. So Fantastic. I'm glad we made it through them all. <laughs> thank you for having me. Of course. Our pleasure.